Uh, basic information, if you're new here, there's a sign-up sheet on the left-hand side on that table as you leave so we can uh, be in touch with you. Get an email that tells you everything that we're doing here, gives you all the dates for all the things all the way through the year. So you can just plug it into your calendar and you know when Iron Leadership is. Uh, there's a website if you want any content that we do here or in past times. And um, this is our basic schedule for a given morning that you can look at. Uh, but there were 20 guys here this morning, 6 a.m., way to go. Uh, and that's just the quiet time together. We sit quietly, read the Bible, pray, uh, and, and you're all invited to that. So um, I am going to ask Craig Wheeler to pray for us as we get started. Amen. Thank you, Craig. If it's, if it's helpful to you, this is a little half sheet that has sort of the outline on it. So is it back there, or does anybody, anybody need one that wants one? Y'all got one on the way in? All right, good. Um, hey, today we're talking about, with this whole semester, or this year, we're talking about leadership lessons from Jesus. So we're just trying to pick up, uh, you know, Jesus is about doing a lot of things, but we're trying to pick up sort of the leadership aspect of him, especially with his disciples and uh, today is probably my, my most enjoyable topic, and that is vision, vision. And the best, uh, the best definition I have for vision is a preferred future. I mean, there's lots of great definitions, but the one that just sticks with me is a preferred future. You see something out ahead of you in some form, and it can be about yourself, could be about your family, could be about your career, it doesn't matter. But, but there's something out ahead of me that I prefer than where I am. So I have to get educated. I have to change, you know, my exercise habits. I've got to start doing stuff or stop doing stuff in order to get to this place in a year or 10 years or 50 years, whatever it is. I have a preferred future. But the problem with vision is um, it's hard, hard, to, hard to figure out sometimes. And when it's hard to figure out, you can kind of get stuck in a rut and just feel like I don't really have vision. I just I'm I'm kind of just going down to shoot, and I just kind of follow in line with everybody else. And um, I want to show a funny little clip. It's an old movie now called City Slickers with Billy Crystal. If you haven't seen it, and a lot of you probably haven't, it's really worth you know getting uh, getting on it one at some point. But here's a 40 year old man who feels like he's stuck. Really, that's the. The whole movie is he feels like he's stuck, and he goes on this cattle ride to get unstuck. And you got to know Curly, the guy in the movie, which doesn't show up in this clip, but he's really funny. But here is the beginning. He's at a classroom scene with his son, probably fifth grade or so, and, you know, dads have come in to share what they do to kind of give a vision for these fifth graders. Hey, you might be interested in the life that I've had. And so this is how he, he does his presentation. Mr. Robbins. What? Value this time in your life, kids. Because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 
60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. The 70s, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. Start eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? <laughs> okay. So that can happen. You, if you just don't have a vision, you just get into this rut and you get stuck. And you feel like, hey, I'm just going to go through these decades and this is something funny. And, but that really can happen because you just don't, you, don't, you don't have a preferred future. So you get stuck in the way everyone ends up doing it. Most of you know the, the name William Wilberforce. He was a, a British, uh, not the prime minister, but British parliamentarian. And he was sort of the catalyst for ending the slave trade in England. And he got a hold of this vision, and that drove the rest of his life. He had a preferred future. That was that all men were created equal, and they should live free under the, under the Lord. And that shaped everything he did. He got other things accomplished, but that one main passion sort of drove him, and he tried to help other people catch that same vision so something can happen. And there's a movie called Amazing Grace, which again, is a great movie to watch. And here he's trying to, trying to sell some of the constituents on it, and you get a sense of his passion and his vision. Gentlemen, would you stop the music, please? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have enjoyed our little tour of the estuary. But now our sergeant is almost over. I have a confession to make. This trip wasn't purely arranged to reward those MPs who have supported me in the past year, nor am I the only sponsor. What's he doing up there? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a slave ship to Madagascar. It has just returned from the Indies, where it delivered 200 men, women, and children to Jamaica. When it left Africa, there were 600 on board. The rest died of disease or despair. That smell is the smell of death. Slow, painful death. Breathe it in. Breathe it deeply. Take those handkerchiefs away from your noses. There now. Remember that smell. Remember the Madagascar. Remember that God made men equal. So he has a passion. He has a passion about a preferred future. And it's, it's grabbed a hold of his soul. And, and in order for it to happen, he's got to get other people to, to, to have that be their vision too. But it takes somebody to say, this is the way we're going to go. And in terms of vision for you, whether it's your life, you've got to be the person who takes hold of that. 
If you're, if you're the man in a family, you've got to take hold and get a vision and move your family forward in some way. If you're running a business, maybe, maybe you're the person to do it or maybe you're the person to, that working for somebody. You've got to buy in the vision and, and go somewhere. You're trying to get to a preferred future. I love the Andy Stanley quote here that says, everyone ends up somewhere in life. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. So my question for us this morning is, we're all going to get somewhere. But are you going to get there on purpose? Or are you just going to follow into some kind of rut and just say, well, in my 30s, I wonder where my 20s went. In my 40s, you know, I get another chin. Uh, I, is that the way you're going to go? Or are you going to say, no, I have a preferred future, and I'm going to get somewhere by the time I'm, and you name it, and, and it's, it's a future that I see. And one of the great things that Jesus does is he has a clear vision. And he demonstrates it and says it all the time to the disciples. So after three years, there's no question that Jesus is a man with a vision. They know exactly what that vision is. And then he's going to hand that vision actually off to them. And we're going to see this in uh, Luke chapter 4. So let's turn there. Luke chapter 4. In my Bible, if you go to verse 14, there's a little heading that says, Jesus begins his ministry. So it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. A report about him went out through all the surrounding countries. And he taught, this is his vision, he taught in their synagogues, and he was glorified by all. So he's, his vision is to teach or to proclaim now, sometime later, same chapter, we're going to focus in on these verses. Uh, verse 40, now when the sun was setting, Jesus is probably at Peter's house, and all those who, had, who were sick with various diseases were brought to them, and he laid hands on every one of them, and they were healed. And demons also came out of many, crying, you are the Son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew who, that he was the Christ. And when it was day, so early the next morning, he departed, he went into a desolate place, and then the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving, but he said to them, very key, vision language, hear the vision language, I must preach. This is vision language. This is, I, I cannot not do this. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns, for I was sent for this purpose. I must preach. I was sent for this purpose. This is my preferred future. There's lots of other things that might feed into it. There are lots of other competitive ideas. There are a lot of other temptations that might, be, might derail me. But this is what I'm here to do. And he's got it down. And you're not, you're not going to be surprised that in Luke, it's repeated over and over and over again. And I'll just pick out a few of them. Chapter 5, verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing on, on him to hear the word of God. Chapter 6, verse 6, on another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Chapter 8, verse 1, soon afterwards he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of God. Chapter 13, verse 22, verse 22. 
And he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. This is, this is what he's doing. And then in, in Luke also writes the book of Acts. In Luke's chapter 6, he gives them a vision. They're supposed to proclaim the good news. And this is important. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 17. So, the, the disciples have begun preaching. Lots of people are responding to their preaching. And it says this, that, that the authorities arrested them because they were causing this uproar. So it says this, um, what shall we do with these men? This is the question. They've arrested them. They're not sure what to do with them. Verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more. See, they're trying to... They're trying to step on their vision to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You hear that language? We There's... We cannot not do this. This is, this is a compelling. We must do this. So Jesus has a vision. He shared this vision. They're picking up on this vision, and people are going to try to step on it. And he says, yeah, we can't be stepped on. We can be in prison, but we're going to be doing our vision. So let me make just three observations from Luke chapter 4, and then we'll have some time to talk. This, I would say the first two observations are potential derailers to your vision. Potential derailers to your vision. First derailer that we're going to see from Luke chapter 4 is you're proficient in an area that's not a priority. Let me explain what I mean by that. You're proficient in an area that's not a priority. Now, there are lots of derailers. This is just one that we see here. And let's say this is a, a compass. Here's the needle, and you, you're trying to aim in this way. And on this side, we have passion and priority. And on this side, we have proficiency, which is not how you spell it, I'm sure. And when you're trying to think, hey, what is my vision? There's lots of different ways to think about it. But one way to come up with it is, well, what am I good at? And what do I enjoy? That's just the simple ways to say I, I'm good at this and I also enjoy it. So the more you're working towards this quadrant, then the happier you're going to be in what you're doing. So that's just a simple way, especially if you're younger here, and you think, well, I don't know if I even have a vision yet, Paul, so I don't know how if I get derailed. The beginning of shaping that would be, well, what am I good at and what do I also like? But there are other quadrants here. And you can get in this quadrant over here, which is, I'm really good at something, but I don't have any passion for it. 
Or you could have some passion for it, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be like a priority. And I would say what's happening, the potential here for Jesus is that he's 100% effective at healing people. You notice that? Everyone got healed. Everyone the next day is looking at him. So he is 100% proficient. He's 100% effective. And it's a good thing, but it's not his vision. It's, it's gonna, if he stays over here just doing what he's good at, but it also isn't his priority, he's going to be derailed. He's going to be sidetracked. And it's fine that he does that, but it's, not his, it's really not his vision. Now, I think this is so important because it's very easy for you to just stay in the quadrant of something you're good at, but you're not, you're, it's really not your priority. And part of being a mature leader is learning when to say, i got to shut that down, or I've got to limit that thing. Some of the time, some ways that you hear this in leadership languages, good is the enemy of great. I've really got a, something I want to do, but I'm kind of good at this, and I end up getting sort of sidetracked over here. And I wonder if you ever thought about how hard it was or could have been for Jesus to walk away from a crowd of people looking for him, and he's 100% effective, but he has to walk away. That's a, that's a hard thing. Think about how heady it is for a 30-year-old guy who's just starting out in ministry. You're sought after. You're wanted. People want to keep you there. So he, he can't allow just being good at something, block him from where he's trying to go. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. The disciples take on Jesus' vision they become proclaimers. We saw that in Acts chapter 4. And you kind of have to be a Bible nerd to know this, but a few of you would know it. What's the first potential derailer for the disciples? They're, they're, they're lined up. They're preaching. They're having great success. They're right in this zone. Acts chapter 6. Women who aren't getting food. Now, it's a good thing. They should address it, but you remember what they said? We can't neglect the preaching of the word in order to help that issue, so we got to get somebody else. See, it's not our priority. It's somebody else's priority. It can be your vision. That could be your vision. I'm, I'm in the service quadrant. That's what I really like. That's fine. But do you see how they could have easily got, just gotten sidetracked off the vision and said, well, we're here to heal and help. But that wasn't the primary thing they were here to do. They were primarily here to preach. So my question is, just do you know what this quadrant is for you and your vision? Do you know where those passions and your priority or passions and proficiency line up? Because it's easy to get sidetracked. Now, when you're doing your life, you're going to spend some time in all these quadrants. It's not like you're always going to be in the, this, this one, one quadrant. But if you're over here and you're just doing things that you like but aren't a priority, 
then you're probably just distracted. And if you're down here, things that you don't have any passion for, they're not a priority, and you're not proficient at, then that's drudgery. Some of you might go, that sounds like my job. Then you need to get a new job. I mean, I do some drudgery things, but I don't spend a lot of time down in that quadrant. When I'm in the drudgery, it's like, hey, somebody else got to do that. Somebody came to my office, hey, Paul, this was yesterday. Paul, how many people were at the fall festival, and how many hot dogs do we need? Yeah. That's this quadrant for Paul Phillips. I said, hey, that's a great question. It really needs to be answered, but not by me. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into that zone. So I've got I to think. You've got to think, where, where am I moving in this direction? I don't want to get sidetracked in some way. I want to make sure I know what I'm aiming at. I have a preferred future, and I'm going to get to that particular place. All right. So if you're, let's say you're in your 50s or, 60s, or 40s or 50s, which some of you are. You should really have a, a beat on this. You should really say, I, I know now. This, this stuff I'm good at. This stuff I like, I'm not very good at it. Or these are things that distract me. Or this stuff I'm, really, I'm good at, but I don't really like. And I've kind of got stuck doing stuff I'm good at, but I don't really like. So it's time for you to shut some things down and say, I know this. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you're still try- maybe you're still trying to say, well, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what is my passion, what is my priority, and how can I get more of my life in this zone up here rather than these other quadrants? Of course, if you're brand new at something, and I'll talk about that in a minute, then you're going to be spinning around here trying to figure out what to do, and that's okay at any point in your life. All right, so there's another derailer. One derailer is you get stuck somewhere else in here. In this case, Jesus was really good at healing people, but that wasn't his priority. So he had to say, hey, I'm going to do this thing preaching. Second derailer, notice in verse 42, chapter 4, very, very easy to get derailed by this. 42, and the people sought him, came to him, and would have kept him from leaving. So the second derailer is the voice of others. That's a big, big temptation. Again, you're 30 years old, just come out of the ministry uh, front door, everybody likes you. Everybody wants you. Everybody wants you to stick around. That's, that's pretty heady for any age, but especially at 30. And it could have been very easy for Jesus to say, okay, let's, let's, let's stay here. And he probably heard these things. Jesus, you can't leave. People are just now coming. Jesus, you need to build your platform. That's the way you'd hear it today. Jesus, you're trending. So, I mean, while you're trending, let's get on it. You can't leave now. There's so many unmet needs. All kinds of ways Jesus would have had another voice to follow. But Jesus was going to follow 
the Lord's voice, which also was his voice. So you're going to have competing voices, and at some point you're going to say, no, there's, I've got one voice that I'm following. This is the vision that God's given me to do my job, my family, my community, myself this way. And it's not going to be my way. That's what I'm saying. You've got to find your own vision and your own voice in that. And this was one of the most important things for me, um, especially in starting the church. And I read this uh, from a book called The Leadership Challenge, <clears throat> I think about nine years ago. And here's what it, this, this was a good book, but it was a great book to me because this one, one paragraph. What is your leadership philosophy? Are you prepared right now to say what it is? If you aren't, you should be. Before you can become a credible leader, which is one who connects what you say with what you do, you first have to find your own voice or your own vision, I might say. If you can't find your voice, you'll end up with a vocabulary that belongs to someone else. This was so critical to me. You will not have the integrity to lead. You can be authentic only when you lead according to the principles that matter to you most. Otherwise, you're just putting on an act. So my question to you is when you think about leading, Jesus had this voice. Hey, you guys say I need to stay. You guys like me. You guys don't like me. That, that voice doesn't matter to me. Because I got another vision. I got another voice that's driving me forward. And my question is, do you have that voice? So when other voices come in, you go, yeah, that, that's right. I'm gonna, that helps. That's in this direction. Nope, that's a derailer. Uh, after 15 years on the Young Life staff, you find your own voice. Doesn't take that long. But people come in and say, oh, we should be doing this and that. And, I, and I, after 15 years, yeah, we're not going to do that. We tried that, didn't work, or that's not the way we're rolling here, whatever it is. But at 39, I became the pastor of church and never been on a church staff, never been particularly involved in a church, didn't want to plant a church, didn't think I was qualified to pastor a church. So at 39, I was swimming. And when you're swimming, you start listening to other voices. I'm not saying this even in a bad way. I'm just saying you're looking for, well, what to do. And so you have all these other voices that come into you. Oh, you got all kinds of church planning books that you read. And they say, well, this is, your, this is how you plan a church. These are the four key elements. So I'm reading all those books. And I'm trying to figure that out. I've got the voice of the other people that are starting the church with me. I've got my friend's voice coming in. Oh, you're going to start a church? Paul, this is the perfect time to do these things, right? Because when you start a church or anything, it's like now we get a shot to be, it's like being a parent. Oh, now I'm going to raise the perfect kid because I'm not going to do any of those things my parents did or I'm going to take all the good things. Whatever it is you feel like and people say, this is how you make the perfect choice. And then I got a wife who's got a voice. I got all these other voices. And it actually took me eight years. This is too long. I hope it doesn't take you that long to find my own voice. That was a, it was a long eight years. And during that eight years, I'm not saying I was saying bad things. I was using someone else's vocabulary. 
Well, you know, so-and-so says, and it's John Calvin, Martin Luther, or somebody who wrote the most you know, current uh, book on church planning. And I was just borrowing language, but it never was like my coat. It never was my voice. And so it took me a long time, and then once I found my voice, then it was easy to say, yeah, we're not going to do that. That's good. That might be good for you. It's not good for me. It's just very helpful. Or yes, that's right. That lines up with what we're doing. And so you've seen it if you've been here at Christ Community Church for any length of time because now this whole CCC 2.0, it's all just funneling towards, hey, this is the vision. This is the voice that we're trying to move at. And if you're in your 20s or 30s, I would say right now, it's time to think, what's my voice? What's my vocabulary? What's my vision? And it's, it's okay if you get help from outside. I'm not saying never get any help. But at some point, that help has to become, you. that's what you think. That's what you believe. This is, this is what's driving you forward. Not the voice of your dad. Not the voice of a, a book. But your, it's got to be your voice. How does Jesus know what to do? So two derailers, how does Jesus know what to do? Verse 42. And when it was day, so sun just coming up, he departed, he went into a desolate place. That's the first step in finding your vision or your voice, is you find it from the voice of the Lord first. That's the first step. And we talked about this two weeks ago, the most important gauge is your time with the Lord. So you got to invite the Lord in on this process. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to really follow your voice for me. You, you've made me. It says in Ephesians that we're God's workmanship. So God actually has a vision for you. He fashioned you together for a particular time, and he planted you for 50 or 80 years in Wilmington, North Carolina, or wherever you've been, and he's fashioned you, and you're saying, God, I want to do that. That's the thing I want to do. And then I can, I can just get a vision for that. And my question to you is, if, do you know what that is? And if you don't know what it is, the very first step is verse 42. Getting alone with the Lord and trying to hear his voice. It's not the only thing you do, but it's the first thing you do, and it's the most important thing that you keep doing. Let me give you an example, several examples for me, and then we'll talk. In 1986, I was 23 years old, and that was the first time I'd ever invited God in on a discussion about my career. Don't ask me why it took me so long, but it was the first time. The way I thought previous to this time was, God, I'm going to do something. I sure would like for you to bless it. That's really a bad plan. (laughs) Hey, I I like this. I'm going to go this way. God, can you chip in? Can you open some doors? Can you make this happen? You see, that puts me out front. But when I was 23 and I lived in a little trailer in Myrtle Beach, I said, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And that began me moving away from a lot of other things to really becoming a, a, a minister of the gospel. So that's the first key component step. If you haven't done that step, that's the step that you need to take. 
Secondly, in 1989, I moved to Wilmington to become the Young Life Area Director. And while I was driving around town on my visit, I was with my boss. And he said, you know what, Paul? One man who serves faithfully for a long period of time in a small town like Wilmington can have a big impact. Man, that just stuck. You know how words, you hear a lot of things, it's like doink, doink, doink. And then somehow that stuck. And that's what I thought. Yeah, that's, that is what I want to do. He put the words that were already inside, he put them in, in me. And I was like, yes. And, and that became my voice. That's why I'm saying it's okay to get outside help, but it has to become you. It has to become what you want to do. And that helped me so much say no to other things. I got lots of offers to go to other areas to be, do Young Life. And every time my boss would call and say, hey, can you go to Chapel Hill? Can you go to Greenville? Can you go to Columbia, South Carolina? I would say, look, if you want me to go, I'll pray about it. But when I call you back, I'm going to say no. And he'd kind of chuckle about it. But I'd say, but that's, see, I already know. I've, I, it's, it's helping me say no to things. And so my question is, do you have some kind of sentence, something in some sense for you to say, that's why I'm going this way and I'm not going this way. I'm not saying good choices, bad choices. I'm saying your choices versus me doing what Bill Sterrett would do. That's not the same, that's not the same thing. 2002, I had a preferred future with some other people. I looked around and said, hey, I want to stay in Wilmington. There's not a church in Wilmington that I want to go to that I want to bring my kids up in. I'm not saying every church is bad, but there, I had a preferred future for a kind of church in Wilmington. And I could see it. It wasn't clear, but I had a sense of what it was, and it's Christ Community Church. So God gave me and these other people a vision for what we wanted to do, and it was a preferred future. And then I'll talk about continuing on that journey uh, next time. Well, here's, here's the thing. Do you have a vision? Vision for your career? It's not, not all going to be the same. Vision for yourself, just as a man. Vision for your family as a husband or a father. Vision for your church or your community. Whatever that is, do you, do you have some kind of preferred future? And you say, I'm aiming at that. That's, how I'm, that's what I'm aiming at, and I'm going to use things that help me get there. Or are you Billy Crystal? You're just stuck in your, a decade and just moving along, and you get to your 80s, and you're looking for yogurt. My hope is this, that I've stirred up more questions that I've answered. That's my hope. And you, you were going, just give me my vision and I'll, I'll be good. You know, no, it doesn't work that way. But that you would have a chance to talk about it here. And then if you say, Paul, I, I don't know. I don't know where my passion and priority and proficiency work. Well, then come and let's have a dialogue. But this is the most important thing to get right as you move forward. And some of you, I see a lot of you guys here in your 20s. You're going to be figuring it out. This is the time to figure it out. Some of you that are older, you know now, it's, i got to shut some things down. I just get distracted, or I do things that are good, but they're not really the best thing, and I need to spend more time in that quadrant, and we'll have time to talk about that. All right, so here's what I want you to do. You're going to answer, go through some of these questions. 
But the very first question I want you to answer is, what's the one thing I'm going to take away from today? So just start with that. You can go around your circle of three or four. Hey, if, if I only have time to answer one question, what, here's one thing I need to think about, talk about, process, and then we'll get to these questions if you have time. Ready? Break. Break. 